We are facing a mental health crisis, and it's more important than ever to have access to the support we need. That's why I'm grateful for BetterHelp, the largest online counseling platform in the world. BetterHelp is changing the way people get help with life challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to licensed therapists. With BetterHelp, professional counseling is available anytime, anywhere from your smartphone, computer, or tablet. If you're looking for support, sign up today at BetterHelp.com. Use the promo code SOLVINGHEALTHCARE to get 10% off sign-up fees. That's BetterHelp.com, promo code SOLVINGHEALTHCARE. COVID has affected us all, and with all the negativity surrounding it, it's often hard to find the positive. One of the blessings it has given us is the opportunity to build an avenue for creating change, starting right here in our community. Discussing topics that affect us most, such as racism in healthcare, maintaining a positive mindset, creating change, the importance of advocacy, and the many lessons we have all learned from COVID. If you or your organization are interested in speaking engagements, send a message to quadcast99 at gmail.com, reach out on Facebook at Quadcast, or online at drquadjo.ca. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadro Caramante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. All right, Quadcast Nation, we got a special episode with Marty Kendall, and I want to just give some love to Marty because him and I, we shared quarters <laughs> in, <laughs> in Vail. Yeah, and, it was cool. Uh, it, it was actually, it was, it was fun because we got to know each other a little bit, shared a car ride in the most, yeah. one of the, honestly, I don't know if you could tell, but that was one of the most dangerous car rides I, I can oh, recall. Geez. The roads up there are crazy. That was nuts. But Marty's, but yeah. You lived. You lived. We I'm both lived. Apex, Australia. Yeah. But Marty's doing some exciting things in terms of the and landscape of nutrition. And we're going to talk a lot about nutrient density and what that, how that reflects into society and, and just living a healthy life. So, Maybe first, Marty, like what got you into this field? Like you're an engineer, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's crazy. Um, it, it threw me off completely off track. I am an engineer by day and uh, my wife, Monica, type 1 diabetic. So I sort of fell into the rabbit hole of how do we manage blood sugars and insulin and that led me to nutrition and my my son got type 1 diabetes about 18 months ago. So that mm. sort of doubled me down on it and yeah i've just been fascinated by quantifying nutrition because um the nutrition space is absolutely crazy when you go out there trying to find information to help people manage diabetes or what to eat there's so many people with so many opinions that i won't stuff it i'm just going to dive into the data and make my own opinions and uh, try to cut through the noise so yeah that just took off and uh yeah basically part-time casual engineer now and uh nerding out analyzing numbers big data trying to help people so yeah i love it i love it really absolutely love it. and that's you're doing exactly that marty helping people helping hundreds of people which is yeah. why i'm excited to have you on because it's great. You, you nailed it like 
the nutrition landscape is so tough to navigate through. And I'm curious to like, where did you even start? Like, where did you even begin or how did you begin this journey? Yeah. Um, way, 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 way back. I grew up in a seventh day Adventist household who left the church when I was 10. So that's sort of the epicenter of nutrition dogma and plant-based everything and meat is evil. And then you come into type one diabetes space and it's what works is focusing on protein and dialing back carbs. So it's sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. So I suppose I'm trying to, you know, and then you get the you know, carnivore, carbs are evil, every plant is trying to kill you extreme at the other end. So it's like, how do we navigate this? So let's look at the data and find, you know, why does carnivore work for so many people and why does a, a low-fat plant-based diet work for so many people and, and what are the common nutritional factors that explain both or even what are the unique things that explain both extremes? And, yeah, so it's absolutely fascinating. I, I'm, I'm in completely enamored and intrigued by it and keeps me waking up early in the morning to to say what the numbers tell me today absolutely because isn't it like i want to say 6 30 what, what time is it right now yeah 6 30 in the morning in australia yeah. so i'm an early riser so yeah. thank god perfect, perfect <laughs> time this is when my brain is active yeah fair enough fair enough so i mean there's a lot of angles we could go i mean you've i've seen you touch upon fasting. I've seen you touch on yep. several areas in, in nutrition. But the concept that was new to me at the low carb conference when we were chatting was this nutrient density and how it translates into better like health outcomes. And so yeah. maybe can you explain the concept like we're four years old? Yeah. Um, I suppose when you think of why do we eat, we need energy from fat and carbs. And we need nutrients, which is protein, minerals, and vitamins. So if you just break it down and say, how do I get that for my food? How do I get enough amino acids? How do I get enough protein? But also, how do I get enough vitamins and minerals from my food? And what foods provide that, whether that be animal-based or plant-based? And how do we exclude the foods that just provide energy with no nutrients, which is the ultra-processed junk that we all can't stop overeating. So these ultra-processed foods, they've worked at exactly the the epicenter of what drives us to overeat. And if you move either side of that, any direction, you're going to improve your diet. So that's where just moving away from the standard American diet, standard Western diet helps everybody. But, you know, whether you move in the plant-based direction or the carnivore direction either helps and it's like what are the factors that that make each of those diets work is the fascinating thing and so and so when it comes to why those approaches to nutrition work really a lot comes down to the nutrition density like like the micronutrients within these foods yeah you're getting more of the nutrients you need from those foods and we have cravings for particularly protein we need amino acids because they build our body so you need enough protein but you also seem to crave sodium and potassium and calcium and you know the the first randomized control trials were with the sailors who got scurvy and you hear the stories of when they got off the boat they were you know downing these you know whatever fruits and vegetables they could get to get the the, the vitamin c with this luxurious 
indulgence, according to the the chaplain on the ship that the the chronicle that way back then. So any nutrient that you're really deficient in, you'll crave. So a modern diet is just optimized for energy, hyperpalatability with no regard for nutrients and we just flavor it and color it to make it look like it's got nutrients but it doesn't so we just keep eating it's so interesting because i mean i don't know how many people have experienced this but sometimes you'll be you go through uh, a bad run or you're out with the boys on a trip and you're like craving a vegetable or a fruit because you've been just eating junk most of the time but yeah I, I yeah I, I mean there's there's a there's a times where you personally you feel like you need something of substance you, know, you need uh, you're hoping to get protein sometimes you're craving mm-hmm. a carb because maybe you've uh, yeah. overexerted yourself blood sugars might be low and you need to replenish the yeah the but yeah the micronutrients like I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I guess sodium and that makes sense to me but stuff like the the calciums and um, like what other micronutrients do you think of when it comes to that can 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 stimulate cravings? Yeah, I mean, amino acids is the big one. The um, Robin Hyman Simpson professors from Sydney have looked a lot at um, the concept of protein leverage, and we eat until we get enough protein. Hmm. But um, I've been doing nerdy analysis, multivariate analysis of three hundred thousand days of data. And we see, you know, protein's definitely dominant, but you have these other more subtle cravings for other nutrients depending on what your current diet contains. And the big ones are, like you said, sodium, calcium, potassium, you know, vitamin C sometimes. People on a, you know, the modern American seems to be, be more satiated by foods that contain more iron. And mm. yeah, so it depends on what your current baseline diet has. And it, it just seems that you may not perceive it in your mind. You may not go, oh, I'm craving this specifically, but it just seems that the, you know, as I said, protein's the, the biggest one and that's the magic of carnivore. It's hard to go wrong with getting meat because you just get so much bioavailable protein, but it's the other nutrients that really help you fine-tune your satiety and smash your hunger and cravings with less energy and that's really what most of us are going for most of us need today you got you talk a ton about metabolic syndrome and obesity and diabetes and that's the solution getting more nutrients per calorie from your food wow yeah and and we've we've had a a couple of meat centric carnivore centric folks on on the show and they've and I've never dove into this. I'm just basically taking people's word for it. But when they express and say, like, you're getting enough of your micronutrients through carnivore, as an example, is there, do you feel like that has legs? To some extent. I mean, uh, if you look at, if you want to note out a little bit more, if you look at the the foods that contain the most nutrients per calorie, it tends to be those non-starchy green veggies in lettuce and asparagus and spinach and broccoli and those sorts of things. But how much can you eat of those foods? You don't get much of the actual vitamins and minerals from those foods and or energy or amino acids. So the meat, the seafood will just give you a ton of protein, enough energy and 
a lot of vitamins and minerals. But if you look at nutrient density per calorie, you know, the, the people who smash our diet quality score in our micros masterclass are the people that are getting a, a, a most of their protein and energy from meat and seafood, but then complementing that with other non-starchy veggies. But it's definitely not the the sugar, starch, vegetable oil combination that is our ultra-processed food system. So they're, they're moving way away from that. But, um, yeah, definitely you can complement the nutrient profile from meat and seafood with the non-starchy veggies, those, those green things that provide potassium and magnesium and other nutrients that are harder to get from meat alone. Hmm. And, and and the other side of the coin too, like you, I mean, you, as you mentioned, you'll see people that are plant based. Yeah. How how, and and when you think about, like, as a non nutritionist, yep. The in my mind, the challenge is the protein intake. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. Is it how does that work? Yeah, how does that work? <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> what, what, why are these vegans so damn skinny? And yeah, you see the fruitarians, and they look like they're, they're about to break, but they're not fat. Yeah, they're they're definitely not overeating. And it's over the last couple of weeks, I've I downloaded like we've got one hundred and fifty thousand days of data from people using Nutrient Optimizer, which is our platform, and I, I downloaded the NHANES data, which is one hundred and fifty thousand people of the average American. And you see this interesting curve that you eat the most when you get about 15% protein, but people eating down at 7% protein also eat a whole lot less because those foods, think of the fruitarian or the, you know, the, the whole food plant-based person who's avoiding all the oils and, you know, protein is bad or whatever. So that they're, they're just eating these foods that are really hard to overeat. You can't overeat fruit you can't overeat lettuce and they're, they're actually eating a good chunk less mm. on the seven percent protein diet because it's the energy density is so low and they might be getting a few micronutrients but like you i'd probably argue that they need some more damn protein to uh to, to maintain their muscle and be strong and age resiliently but those people also tend to eat less just because it's such a, a low energy density diet. So yeah, 15% is sort of the, the the point at which the average American eats and that's where we eat the most calories. But if you get over 20, 25, 30, 35, 40% protein, you're just going to smash your satiety even better than that 7% protein fruitarian. So yeah, once you get over about 25% protein, satiety really kicks in and protein percentage protein leverage is the biggest factor in this in the satiety equation wow because yeah i would suspect then it's interesting that they're not hungry though that's what that's what uh, you know yeah. what I mean? you know like it's yeah, interesting yeah. that they're not i mean maybe they are and uh, but yeah like it's interesting that you naturally you wouldn't be drawn to i don't know eat more or or, or get yeah just to, to try and meet that the needs for the amino acids as an example yeah 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 they're probably eating all day though to get enough energy but they're not getting that much energy over the over the day but yeah i'm not about to argue that fruitarian is optimal because the nutrients you get from you know can get some vitamin c from the fruit but not not the amino acids and necessarily the minerals from 
the fruitarian diet, but it it does work. So it's just fascinating to understand why either extreme works, but the average American, the average Westerner is eating this hyper-palatable mix of sugar, starch, and industrial seed oils that's flavoured and coloured and with some synthetic vitamins to make the label look better. Yeah. And we're all overeating. So as long as you move away from that, you're, you're going to improve your diet. And if you really want to dial it in, I mean, the, the people getting the most nutrients are also getting like the 40% protein and, uh, yeah, smashing that. So That's it's amazing. definitely, yeah, getting getting plenty of protein is, is the first fundamental building block of dialing in nutrient density. Absolutely. And, and, and more I think about it too, maybe the fruitarians, as you said, they're just constantly eating and yeah. they're just – just not meeting their needs despite constantly eating. Yeah, um, whereas the carnival is eating once or twice a day and just completely satiated and not hungry, which is a, a good place to be. Yeah. And do what do you put do you put fiber into any of these equations? Because it's that's a that's a tricky one, I would imagine. Cause uh, yeah, yeah. Fiber's fascinating. In our classes we don't really promote or or, you know, tell people they need to get this much fiber but those people who are getting enough protein and then chasing the, the harder to find nutrients from their diet from which tend to be the the non-starchy veg they're getting plenty of fiber so you know definitely lots of people don't deal well with fiber because their gut's so messed up and you know lots of people say i went carnivore and stopped eating fiber and life got so much better hmm. but you know if you're getting or a good variety of nutrients, you're probably going to be getting enough fiber. So, yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. And just for, for folks to get a, get a sense of the amount of protein, you know, like when we say 25%, 15%, 40%, wh- what, how does that translate? Like, in terms of quantity, like, I, I don't know how an easy way to explain this. Yeah. If you're, you know the seventy kilogram male, which I feel like doesn't exist anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> that used to be the average. <laughs> used to be the, eating two thousand calories, but that no, he's a mythical creature these days. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I hear a lot. Like as an example, for a lot of middle aged women, you'll see you'll see, you hear thrown around like twenty five to thirty grams per meal. You know, yeah. in terms, of, and so like what what would a guy like we'll say like. Marty Kendall, like what are yeah. you throwing down your, like how many, we'll throw down your, if you're not too shy, your your weight, your uh, amount of grams of, of protein you ingest and how that translates into a percentage. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit under a hundred kilos and I'm doing 40% protein and probably that's 200 to 250 grams. But I mean, I'm probably on the hardcore end. The average woman might be, you know, minimum 100 average male might be minimum 150 grams of protein. So, yeah, definitely start with protein as the foundation and then dial in the other micros if you need to. I This is one thing I, I struggle with. So, I'm, I'm – if we're going kilo – so, he's saying he's about 220 pounds. I'm, I'm about 205. Yep. And I – mind you, I add fasting in the mix. I have a tough yep. time to get uh, like a, a gram per pound sometimes or – um, I'm trying to do the mm. math on. Uh, yeah, it's 2.2 grams per kilo, which is yeah. a, a pretty good. Most bodybuilders try to to rock that. But if you're eating less, 
you need a bit more protein mm-hmm. for A to tie it in, B to preserve your lean muscle mass. So if, as you dial down the calories, you sort of need to prioritize protein even more and getting up to 3.1 grams per kilo, you know, is, is probably a good place to be if you're really aggressively dieting. And at that point, you've dialed back the fat and carbs so much that your protein percentage is at 40, 50%. So what what do you, like what's the uh, the typical meal for you? Like, are you doing the three? Like, are you? I'm assuming you're not fasting. Do you do you implement yeah. shakes? Like, how what how do you throw down? Oh uh, yeah, I'll you know we um I, I definitely prioritize protein, and we've got I'll start the day with we got kangaroo burgers, which are just super high protein, or uh, you know protein powder and yogurt, or can mackerel and we have low carb dinner with the family or eggs or you know i, I definitely prioritize the protein i'm not, not trying to be a fruititarian mm-hmm. no that's i mean because i think that's a lot, what a lot of people struggle with is how to get that much proteins in their day right and i i feel mm-hmm. this is where shakes are helpful I, I i i do in our house we do a lot of the like Greek yogurt with the protein powder. That's yeah. that. That's a nice little hack. That's I a think. Great snack. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it, you can make it. Make sure it's tasty. Even the the littles, like our little kid, our boys, uh, will throw that down. Even, but um, maybe give give us a sense too with all the work you're doing for folks. Like with this approach, we're thinking about nutrient dense foods and and amping up folks' protein intake. Like, what kind of results are you seeing? I it just you know people coming from a low carb keto or fasting approach are often not getting enough protein and they they believe that you know keto used to be you know avoid the protein gluconeogenesis kill my ketones blah 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 so yeah a lot of people come from that sort of background and just dialing up the protein percentage um getting enough protein they just go oh, I'm finally not hungry this is amazing and and want to just keep on nudging it up. Just awesome weight loss satiety results, especially when you're doing the the fasting thing. We do another gig with data-driven fasting using a glucose as a fuel gauge and telling people to to wait until they definitely need to refuel based on their glucose and then prioritizing protein. It's just sort of a magic combination that satiety kicks in they're no longer constantly hungry the glucose is amazing and then the the fat falls off so yeah it's just been doing it for five years and just guiding people to get enough protein and not eat too often use the glucose as a fuel gauge this this is a an interesting concept as well marty you i think we were talking about this briefly in the car ride i this is the first i heard of folks using your glucometer to decide when they're going to chow down. So maybe we can just expand on that a little bit more. Yeah, it's my other little passion project and just watching two continuous glucose monitors with, you know, continuous insulin pumps happening. It just seemed obvious to me that if my wife or my son's glucose is high, it's a dumb time to eat. But if the glucose is low, it's a it's a good time to eat, and maybe at that point, if the if it's really low, those people need a little bit of carbohydrate to bump their glucose. But if your glucose glucose is a little bit higher, what do you need? You need protein and nutrients. So 
that works with people without diabetes just to use the glucose as a fuel gauge. If the glucose is a little bit lower than normal for them it's and they're hungry, it, it's time to eat. And mm-hmm. it's sort of a really nice way to validate hunger because a lot of us don't know when we're really hungry. We're just eating out of habit and because we, you know, some person on Facebook or TikTok said that a 16-8 or a 22-2 window or some you know, random thing was right for them. But using a glucose, it's your internal instantaneous fuel gauge that you can use to validate your hunger. So, you know, I feel hungry. I'll check my glucose. If it's below normal for me, which we call our trigger, good to eat. If you're definitely hungry and it's a bit high, prioritize protein, less fat and carbs. If you're a bit below your trigger then you know a bit of carb to bump your glucose especially if you're going to work out or whatever is is a good play this is brilliant and folks the reason i get a little bit excited about this is because we really need to personalize health we we way over simplify and and give people these recipes all the time thinking it's going to apply to everybody and anybody when Marty or myself, what's ideal for him which is versus what's ideal for me may differ. And I, this is what I really like about the idea of using the glucometer to to validate one's hunger. And you got one right, you got one right there? It's glucometer. a really simple device. You don't yeah. need a CGM. Everybody's doing the CGM thing, but they get all this data and get confused by all the data. But you just have to go, am I hungry? I'll validate my, my, my blood sugar to validate my hunger. And just just to give folks a sense of the numbers, are you? I forget. Are you guys? Uh, do you guys yeah, use the U.S. In, number? We're in metric. Yeah. No, metric. Okay, good. That's us. Just America that you know <laughs> is confused and can't catch up with the modern world. Yeah. So, like, what? Uh, <laughs> like, when you like say a random or a stereotypical patient, not diabetic, or client, and you know, are they starting to get hungry and they're not, they're not pre-diabetic either? Yep. You're starting to see them get hungry, hungry under five, under 4.5. Like, where, yeah, where you- yeah, I mean, 5.2, 4.8, they're sort of common sort of triggers that we see in people. But, yeah, the good thing about using a glucometer, it's personalized to you. So if you've got mm-hmm. raging type 2 diabetes, that you start a lot higher and then chase a lower trigger eventually. And it's like... Um, resistance training like progressive overload for your metabolism, the glucose trigger progressively drops and it gets a little bit harder rather than going, you know, I just heard this fasting guru and I'm going to fast for two weeks and then pray to, you know, whoever that I can eat normally and healthily after that. And that's the problem that we saw with extended fasting is that people go yeah fasting best way to lose weight yeah it is for the the you know two days you might not be eating but as soon as you eat again what do we eat at that point when we're so hungry so you just want to get a little bit hungry and then choose wisely and prioritize protein and nutrients when you when you eat again it's a good lesson too marty about not waiting till you are famished like you are making such more or sound decisions when you have given yourself that you don't put yourself in that spot, right? Like if yeah. you're, if you're a little bit hungry or you're getting to that point where your glucometer is kind of saying, okay, maybe it's time to, 
ingest some food. So you, you don't, you could maybe start cooking something healthy at that time yep. or like, you, you know, you're not running to the, to the pantry and getting some, some yep. processed whatever. And I yep. think that's a really good point that I think, you know, despite whatever diet, despite whatever approach you're thinking about is not, not really waiting, especially in this era. Like, I'm, I mean, I'll tell you, as I mentioned, I, I do intermittent fasting or time restricted eating, whatever you want to call yep. it. And if it gets too crazy, you're right. Like I'll eat crazily. If if you're at hospital, what do you what do you get at the cafeteria when you're extremely hungry? Oh, but you no know, end I'm, of crap that it you totally. Chow down. But it, ironically, though, I because of I mean, I've been doing this for four or five years. I I have a plan, you know. Like I mm-hmm. have I have like protein bars ready, protein That's shake smart. ready, and, and just yep. just to make life that much more simpler. But this yeah. is, it's a, yeah, it's a really good point, Marty, in terms of, of, of like not putting yourself in a bad spot. Yeah. Um, and, and sorry, you were going to, were you going to say something? Oh, just, just going to say we make dumb choices when we're really hungry and you don't want to get, get, let yourself get to that point where you're extremely hungry because you don't stop eating and you just make, you choose those energy dense, low protein hyper palatable fat and carb combo foods that just refill your glucose and your fat fuel tank instantly mm. and you're hyperphagic you just don't stop eating and uh what are you going to rebuild when you eat again if you're just eating that it's not going to be the muscles mm-hmm. exactly and i'm curious also in terms of uh like you're you're a guy that is takes resistance training very seriously. And your son, by the way, you know, I <laughs> yeah. saw a video. You got a powerlifting record. Did I get that right? Yeah, he, he pulled 245 kilos at 17, set a world record. <laughs> As yeah. a type 1 he, diabetic. He, he, yeah, he, he was 77 kilos when he got type 1 and just add insulin and a whole lot of weight training and he got to 90 kilos and blew up and uh strong as so yeah in, don't fear insulin is is the learning from there just add protein and insulin and yeah you build muscle wow that's that's a remarkable story if i'm being honest just knowing that i know it's been probably a really challenging 18 months with the diagnosis and you know yeah. that's it's an anxiety provoking for sure so to to see that he's able to thrive yeah it, it that's that's got to mean a lot as a as a dad yeah, yeah, he's a machine on the rugby field as well, which is great to see. But um, yeah. uh, you, you said, how do you, how do you want to, how do you eat more protein? And I think the magic there is just go damn lift something heavy. Yes, if you if you lift, you'll crave protein. I think people go, how do I get that much protein? It's like, are you doing anything with your body that where your body says, I'm craving protein, I need protein. Most people aren't, so they, you know, protein's not attractive. But if you lift something heavy, if you're active, if you're stressing your muscles, you, your body will go, give me the damn protein so I can recover and rebuild. And that's, a, a, you know, if, you, if you're not craving the protein, you're probably not actually putting in the effort to build and repair your muscles. Really good point. And I, I really want to stress to the listeners, like, the, there's there's magic in increasing your protein intake. There's a magic about thinking about your micro, uh, micronutrients as well, and 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 how that's going to impact how full you are. 
Mm-hmm. But there is magic in lifting weight, folk. Mm-hmm. Like despite mm-hmm. the age, despite where you are in, in your health journey, you add resistance training. There's nothing but good things happen. Assuming you're doing mm-hmm. it safe and all that, take home message to it. But like it is real when you mm-hmm. can increase your lean body mass for so many reasons, yeah. including yeah. insulin sensitivity and and from my from my end of the world, like frailty is 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 a death sentence so yeah, yeah like it's that's a, a remarkable so like when did you start like has this been something been your whole life in terms of yeah I, I, wish, I wish i'd started at 15 like my son we're in lockdown um we just got a home gym because i'd started playing with it and uh it, he said, oh, I'm going to be like Chris Hemsworth. I'll just go down to the, the gym. And we said, we can't do that. And like six months later, he just spent three hours a day in the gym and lifting heavy stuff. And it's like, maybe maybe you can. And like his transformation was incredible. But um, yeah, I started lifting about five or six years ago and just got serious with progressive overload. And I love it. Yeah, I, I feel strong and robust. And your body is a support system for your brain, so that's why I love it. Because mm. if you feel good in your body, you're robust. You you think a ton better. And like you said, frailty and aging is just horrific. And um, you know, we all think calorie restriction and uh, you know fasting is going to give us this magic bullet for aging. But if you're seventy and so frail and weak that you fall over and break your hip, it's it's nearly a death sentence at that point so yeah i mean everybody's now talking about be strong at 40 50 and then you'll just that muscle will be your retirement um little piggy bank that you'll have to draw down from over the next few years as, as your estrogen or testosterone drops off and that's what happens you know women's estrogen falls off a cliff and um, they lose lean muscle mass and they have to eat more to to keep onto the protein. And if they don't prioritize protein, they they gain more fat because they're just eating more rather than nourishing their their, their muscle. But um, same for guys, just a bit slower. Yeah. So yeah, we're fight, fighting the battle, fighting the good fight. So we uh, can. Uh, Atia talked about the old age decathlon that you want to go, I want to be able to lift, lift my grandkid or great grandkid at 90 and I'm going to train for it now. It's, isn't that inspirational though, Marty? The, like that, really that, when you put it in that perspective, I mean, Peter, he's got a great show. His, his book is great. Mm. And, but I honestly, I think he nailed it with a lot of this, like the way he mm. framed the like strength and, and, mobility for longevity to stay functional like reverse engineering it so Mm. that you can do these things with your grandkids Mm. because even at the extreme like with some of us that push weight to an extreme that have no mobility do you Mm. know i mean like even that it needs to be a consideration but honestly when when you think about why you train everyone needs a reason and a lot a lot of people's vanity sometimes it's it's uh, just to be in shape or how it makes you feel. But if you think about that longevity piece, functional yeah. longevity, that is that is uh, a great take home. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah, we're, we're both super passionate about that. And uh, yeah, how's your deadlift no. going? Good. 
I'm saying because of my back, I'm still pretty, I'm pretty reluctant to go heavy. So I, I'm going for volume as opposed to, uh, to for for lifting heavy, and and I'll I'll stick with the, um, like RDLs Russian. Uh, Russian deadlifts right now, or I'll do sumo. I feel really a lot more comfortable doing sumo, but I miss, I miss conventional. I miss, uh, just that feeling when you lift that, the weight off the ground is, is nothing better. Actually, you would, you actually, you would, you would, based on your frame, you have long arms. I bet you would be a good deadlifter, eh? Like I bet you're uh, like, not as good as my son, but uh, yeah, I, I did one little competition with the son for funsies. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, but you can do the progressive overload and keep on going. But eventually, you hit a ceiling, and you, like you said, you've got to be active, mobile. So a bit of walking, a bit of cycling, as well as the infinite progressive overload, and just getting heavier and heavier and heavier. So, so yeah. When you, when you just do a lot of high volume heavy stuff you just want to eat a lot more so you then go okay i need to balance that with being active and going for a walk and getting on the bike and a bit yeah. of mobility so just trying to vary that myself yeah no you look good man you, you get oh, you're, whatever you're doing you're winning at life <laughs> so the love love fest with quad J. yeah there you go there you go so marty how do people ingest more of you how do they get more of a sense of all the accomplishments and and any part of your programs, like how how yeah. do we link you up? Yeah, um, just Google optimizing nutrition. Got a blog with all my brainwave analysis. Um, but if they just want to start at the beginning, we've got a optimizing nutrition community on Mighty Networks, a bit like you've got in um, uh, Substack. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we've got a whole lot of free materials. People just want to know where do I start, what do I eat, and here's some recipes. And if they want to dial dial dive into data driven fasting or learn to dial in the macros the macros masterclass or a micros masterclass, we've sort of guide them through that process one step at a time. And we get all these people psychotic about climbing the leaderboard of nutrient density and that's a really cool thing rather than diet is about restriction and eating less and counting calories it's like how do i pack more nutrients into the calories that i need each day and how do i you know get a better nutrition score and rather than deprivation it's about nourishment and that's sort of what i'm passionate about is more people nourishing their bodies rather than depriving their bodies so yeah it's cool isn't that exciting though like it's just a nice reframe of of, yeah yeah, it's like what like focusing on the replenishment not on what you to deprive your body it's 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 a really good way of framing that and 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 getting people excited about what they eat and i love the fact that you got a community there to be able to For people 8, to rally. People and they're all psyched about it. So it's great. <laughs> I'm trying to start a rumor that nutrition is about nutrients. So, you know, it seems obvious to me. But, <laughs> but it isn't, though. I, I mean, I'll be honest, Marty. Like, this is something that, like, it's, yeah, as you say it, it's, like, very intuitive. But, like, this is why I wanted you on the show is when you, when you, I remember being in the car scared to death. But at the same time, you're mentioning this. And I'm like, this makes so much sense. It's like that's why you have those cravings. That's why protein makes so much sense. Why why you're fuller when you have yeah. more uh yeah. 
nutrient dense foods. Like it makes sense. And, and, and like you're onto something. And, but based on the idea of people getting excited about how they're replenishing and not what they're depriving themselves of, Mm -hmm. I think is a a really amazing take home and your work is incredible, Marty. And Thanks, thanks for, for joining us. Yeah, absolute honor. Great to chat again, dude. And uh, stay safe. To, stay off the Denver roads and the ice. <laughs> that was scary. But uh, you, you drove well. And I, I lived to tell the tale. We survived. We did. We did. All right, Quarkast, that was freaking awesome. So awesome. If you enjoyed that, please leave us any comments at quarkast99 at gmail.com. Leave a five-star rating. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, at Quarkast. Jump on our newsletter. Jump on our community at quarkast.subject.com. All things healthcare solutions all on one site. Y'all going to love it. All right, people. I hope you're feeling a little bit more jumping your step after that episode. Thanks for listening. Talk real soon. Peace.